0: Let's get to our topic for this week. As today, we're going to talk about mental health. Now, I don't think it's any surprise to you that when I say mental health, it has become a big concern in our society. Is that a surprise to any of you all? All right. I don't think so. In fact, this morning, as I was getting ready to come to church, I was watching the early news and they had a story on there about children and their anxiety levels and how they're dealing with all this stress today. I know my experience from school has has known this, that schools today have to be more aware of mental health in their students than ever. And though mental health issues have always been there, it seemed like the struggles of COVID-19 increased the frequency of mental health issues, or at least the openness of mental health issues. According to statistics, the National Alliance of Mental Health, one in five U.S. adults experience mental illness each year. One in six U.S. youth aged 6 to 17 experience a mental health disorder each year, and mental health issues have become so bad that now suicide is the second leading cause of death among those 10 to 14. 10 to 14. Now, those are stunning statistics to me. These statistics may not even include many people who struggle in silence, not letting people know of the mental turmoil that they have. Now, as we look at this topic, I'm going to go ahead and acknowledge something. I want to go ahead and acknowledge this is a very difficult subject to address, one that I am not an expert on, but I'm seeking to understand better. I want to say to to, to some this morning that if you're in a mental state where you're stuck, you feel like you're not getting any better, wonder how you're going to keep going on living, I want to encourage you to seek help. There are great Christian counselors like our own Sean Coddell who you can talk to, who can help walk you through some of those things, maybe even diagnose what's going on in your life. And there's even times that what you need to do is you need to go to your medical doctor because you have physical issues going on that need to be addressed. Because let's confess that humans, we're complicated creatures. God has made us in a way that one area of our life affects the others. Our physical condition can affect us mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Some of those physical things are very simple. For example, I bet there's a few in our room that have been hangry before, right? Right? You you, you know what I mean. The fact that you're irritable and cantankerous has nothing to do with your spiritual or mental issue. The solution is not a counselor for you, but it's a snicker bars. In fact, some of you are saying, I could use one of those snicker bars right now, right? Is what you're saying, all right? For others, maybe your issue is sleep deprivation, and what you need is a, a good nap. There, there's not a one of us that thinks clearly when we're sleep deprived, and if you have enough sleep deprivation, then mentally it can do a number on you. Now, some things physically are more serious. I've known, for example, people with thyroid issues and it's affected their mental state. I remember specifically one day, a person that I'm real close to and and know deeply came to visit me and was talking to me and I looked at this person in the eyes and I said, who is this person? I do not know who I am talking to right now. And the reality is this person had a thyroid issue that needed to be addressed and when that thyroid issue was addressed, mentally, their mind cleared up and they came back to normal. And so there's times that we need to Go to our physical doctors and let them help diagnose what's going being on. So again, hear me, right? If you're stuck, if you're saying, I've tried everything I know to do, I can't get out of this, then go seek help. Get diagnosed to see what's going on. Because you you, you need to look to make sure that the whole person is taken care of, that you're healthy physically, so to, you can also be healthy spiritually and mentally. Now, today, however, here's what I want to do in our time together. I, I want to address that really our overall mental health Because we all, at times, mentally struggle, right? I mean, the Bible gives us plenty of examples. In fact, if you haven't already, go ahead and take your Bibles, and I want you to turn to the book of Lamentations, Lamentations chapter 3. There are many places that we could turn to, but why not turn to the book whose very name contains the word lament? You see, Lamentations was written by Jeremiah, who is called the weeping prophet, Chapter 3 is probably the most important chapter in this book, and from it, we can learn some important things to help us deal with our mental health and learn things even that for some of us adults, we can share with the next generation. In fact, the first thing that we're going to see from Jeremiah's words is this, we often let our circumstances determine our mental state. Now, before I read the scripture, let me inform you that Jeremiah is writing during a time filled with difficulty. Israel was being punished by God because of the repeated rebellion of sins against him. And as God had promised, he let the people be exiled from their homeland. And because of this, Jeremiah witnessed friends and family be deported to Babylon. He also experienced the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple being torn down. In the midst of this, God had called Jeremiah to proclaim to the people his judgment and that they needed to repent of their sins. How did the people respond? The people responded by having Jeremiah put into jail where he spent much time in a dungeon. No doubt, Jeremiah was surrounded by a difficult set of circumstances. And so listen as he writes, Lamentation 3, beginning in verse one. He said, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. Did you hear the desperation in Jeremiah's writing? He is clearly letting his circumstances determine how he is feeling. And how is he feeling in the moment? Like God is completely against him to the point that he says that he has brought him to a place where there is darkness without any light. And my guess is that many of us have been in that place where we feel like there is no hope. Where well, we feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, right? Have we been there? Okay, all right. We've we, we've all been there, and there's not even a worse place I think to be. Think about this: if you're in a job, the, the things are terrible, and you don't see that things are going to getting better, how does that make you feel? I mean, you feel hopeless. You feel overwhelmed. You feel ready to give up. Or if you're in a marriage that is difficult and your spouse is harsh and hard to live with and refuses to get help and get better, you wonder if you're going to have to live in misery for your entire life. Again, you feel hopeless, overwhelmed, ready to give up. It can be a situation with your kids, a situation with friends, even a situation at church. And you begin to believe that there is no hope. Like, you get like Jeremiah and believe that God has brought you to a place of darkness with no light. You think your circumstances are too much for you to overcome. If one is not careful, the state of being overwhelmed can even worsen. Listen as Jeremiah continues to write, now back in verse 4. He says, He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in the darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. And though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayers. You see, if we're not careful, we get to where Jeremiah did, even believing this, that God doesn't listen to our prayers. It is almost as if Jeremiah says that God doesn't care for him. Maybe you've been in that place before, feeling like God doesn't care. Can I remind you of something this morning? Your feelings can be misleading, right? Right? Your feelings can be misleading. We will see here in a minute that Jeremiah knows what he just said is not true. But this is how he is feeling in the moment. We can also know that what Jeremiah you know feels is not true because God does care for us. God does care for you. If that is true, then why are these verses in the Scripture? If God cares for us, why would even God have Jeremiah write these verses? Maybe it's because God wants us to know this, that mental health is a common struggle. All right, God wants us to know that even as believers, we can have moments of being overwhelmed, feeling as if God doesn't care, and feeling like there is no hope. Like I said earlier, this is not even the only place in Scripture we see this we need to remember Elijah, the great prophet of God. Y'all, how many of y'all remember Elijah, the great prophet of God? If you know his story, you know that Elijah had that great moment where he went up on the mountains with the prophets of Baal, and man, he he called fire down from heaven, and and, and God, God consumed that offering miraculously. It was one of those crazy things where even the prophets of Baal realized, man, God, man, he is great, right? So he has this momentary high where God is shown out, all right, and he is the prophet with that message. Man, he's looked good in this moment because God has come through. Well, that's where he was in a moment a spiritual high, but just a few verses later, we see Elijah become overwhelmed because Jezebel says, I'm going to kill that man, right? And this is what Jeremiah does in 1 Kings 19.4. But he himself went up a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. You see, in a matter of moments, Elijah went from feeling on top of the world because of a great miracle he experienced to being at the lowest of lows because of the threat against Jerobel, Jezebel, all right? Elijah's circumstances truly dictated his mental state, all right? Or even let's think about Job. We, we all like to praise Job, Right? It was Job who was a man who in a matter of moments lost all of his children. He lost most of his possessions and we praise him because after that tragedy hit, Job makes a great statement. He says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. May the name of the Lord be praised, right? Don't we all look at that and say, man, that's how we're supposed to handle these situations, all right? We we look and say, "Hey, hey, God is good. We need to worship him. But we forget, all right, the same Job we praise there says this in Job 3, beginning in verse 1. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. And Job said, let the day perish on which I was born and the night that said a man is conceived. Let that day be darkness. May God above not seek it, nor light shine upon it. Let gloom and deep darkness claim it. Let clouds dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. That night, let thick darkness seize it. Let it not rejoice among the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of months. Behold, let that night be barren. Let no joyful cry enter it. I hope you understand what Job is doing in that moment. If you don't understand, just know this. Job is lamenting the fact that he was ever born. Lamenting that he'd ever been born. I I could go on, but what I want us to see is this that mental health is a common struggle for all of us. It is a struggle that can get deep even for those who've expressed faith, all right? Like Elisha, like Job, like Jeremiah. In fact, let's go back to Lamentations 3 as Jeremiah continues in verse 9. He has blocked my way with blocks of stones, he has made my path crooked. He is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He turned upside down my steps and tore me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He has bent his bow and set me as a target for his arrow. He drove into my kidneys the arrow of his quiver. I have become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. Look at this. I have forgotten what happiness is. You can see how bad this got for Jeremiah. He made it to the place where he believed he had forgotten what happiness is and most likely that he would never be happy again. I want to add here about why would God have this recorded in the scriptures, I believe it shows us this, that we need to talk about how we feel. You see, too often people suffer in silence and never share what is going on internally in their lives. We often put on a smile, right, and go about as if nothing is wrong. In fact, many people have been taught that you shouldn't talk about your feelings, especially men. We've been taught, no, you suppress that stuff, right, because you have to be tough. But we need to share these things in our life. Hear me, some things can only be healed by sharing. All right. Have we forgotten the words of James five sixteen that says, "Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed"? All right. Thankfully, we have Jeremiah's words that help us understand it's okay to express how we are feeling, but again, we have to be careful. We have to be careful with how much power we give to our feelings. Look at Jeremiah's next words in verse eighteen. So I say, my endurance has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. You know, when I read this phrase, so I say, I picture Jeremiah having a conversation with himself. Do you ever do that? You ever have a conversation with yourself? Uh, maybe some of you wonder if you're hearing voices because it's like there's two voices in your head one saying it's going to be okay, and the other one saying there is no hope, right? That's kind of what I see Jeremiah because he says, so I say my endurance. He's talking to himself. Jeremiah gets to the point of talking to himself and saying, I give up. My endurance has perished, all right? So has my hope. It's gone. Simply put, at this point, he has lost all hope. I believe what this shows, not only with Jeremiah, with us is this. We convince ourselves that there is no hope. Hear me. It's not that there is no hope. We convince ourselves that there is no hope, all right? And when we get there, we want to wallow in that hopelessness. Jeremiah demonstrates this. Look at the next verses. Remember my affliction and my wonders the wormwood and the gall. Look, look at this next part. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. Look at those verses for a moment and tell me, where is Jeremiah right now? Where is he in this moment? He is focusing on his troubles and letting them dictate his mood, his feelings, his perspective on life. If we talked about in terms of mental health, we would probably say he is depressed. Would we not? His soul continually remembers his affliction so that it is bowed down within him. Do you get the picture? Do any of you relate? Okay, all right. Here is the reality for any of us. Are you guys Ready? If you tell yourself that certain things are true, it doesn't really matter whether they are actually true because to you they are true, at least in your mind, right? And that's where we get. M- maybe this makes you depressed thinking about Jeremiah's depression. <laughs> you're saying, oh, you're really uplifting us today, Brother Scott, on Mother's Day. It's a very, great day, right? But let's stop for a moment. Again, I want to remind you that Jeremiah's experience is something that is common, If depression is something you struggle with or feelings of hopelessness come over you or the feeling that not even God cares for you or a part of your life, all right, I want you to think about this, that's normal. But it's in in these moments when we get to this place that if we want or allow God to work, we can really grow. In fact, what we're gonna see next is something that I hope really helps you because the next verse is so key. Look at verse 21, all right? Jeremiah says this, but this I call to mind, and therefore, I have hope. Okay. Look what happened here. Jeremiah, in this moment, hear me, he is making a choice. He's making a choice. The original Hebrew word translated call in our English language comes from a root word that means to turn back or to Return. Here is Jeremiah focused on the wrong thing. He's focused on the negative, convincing himself that there is no hope, but then he makes a choice. He makes a choice to turn back and return to a different focus, a different way of thinking, and in this he finds hope. That's what many of you are looking for, right? You're looking for hope. Mentally, you're overwhelmed and you're looking for hope. Well, Jeremiah found it. Where did he turn to? What did he turn to that gave him hope? What did he now start thinking about that brought him such hope? Let's keep reading and we'll see verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Praise the Lord, right? There should be a big amen to that. See, Jeremiah's mental state changed when he chose to focus on the Lord, all right? And it shows us that your mental state can change when you change to focus on the Lord. Remember, that call to mind meant turn back or return. You see, therefore, what Jeremiah is proclaiming here is something that he already knew. He already knew of God's goodness. He already knew of his faithfulness, but he had stopped focusing on that. So here he was reminding himself of the mercies of God and the faithfulness of God. He was reminding himself of the goodness of God. The British pastor and theologian D. Martin Lloyd said this, there is a sense in which what the scriptures do is teach us how to talk to ourselves. You can go to church saying, what did I learn? I learned how to talk to myself. All right, see how that goes over with your friends. What was that all about, right? Maybe this is what we're seeing here because we saw a moment ago where Jeremiah said his endurance was gone and so was his hope. But here's what the the next verse says in verse 24. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. You see, his soul is now saying something different. And he has hope. His internal voice in a way has changed. He is now talking differently to himself. And what he says here is a big deal. He has hope because he said, The Lord is his portion. What does that mean? It really means this the Lord is really all he needs. All right. The term my portion was something well understood in Jewish circles. When the children of Israel were given the promised land, each tribe was given a portion of the land. God gave them a portion, and this portion was passed down in the family from generation to generation. It was their prize. It was their treasure. It was a big deal because it was their portion from God. And so when Jeremiah says God is his portion, he is saying this. He is saying God is his treasure, that God is his prize, that God is what is really important to him. In fact, think about this for a moment. When Jeremiah writes these words... Nothing about his circumstances have changed, right? The people are still suffering. They've still been displaced from their homeland. They're suffering for their sin, but Jeremiah recognizes in the midst of this that God is still good. He recognizes that God is merciful and faithful, and because of that, there is hope even in the midst of the storm. He recognizes that truly God is all he really needs. And I would add that this is great because this, no one can take God from you, right? Everything else can be taken from you, but no one can take God from you, right? But, But that's not all Jeremiah says. Not only is the Lord his portion, but we read a little further and Jeremiah says this, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. To be clear, Jeremiah wasn't just surrendering or conceding to a life of misery and wishful thinking. All right. Jeremiah wasn't saying, I have God, so I just need to accept my misery. What Jeremiah was doing is trusting his life to God, believing that God is good to those who look to him and wait for him. All right. If we went back even to last week when we looked at Joseph's life, we can recount many difficult years of Joseph's life, but he continued to trust God. And and as he trusted God, what God did is God used Joseph's life for good. And not only did he use his life for good, but he was good to Joseph. Joseph, in a sense, had to wait various times on God. But God proved himself faithful time and time again. For those of you today who might might find yourself in a mentally bad space because of your circumstances, and you maybe even convince yourself that there is no hope, I encourage you today to look to God remember his mercies, remember his goodness, and find hope and encouragement that God is good to those who wait on him, that God does have better days awaiting. You see, if we'll all look to Jeremiah and learn from him, we will have better mental health days ahead, don't you think? If we learn to say, God, I trust in you, all right? I know you're good. Your mercies are new every morning, his words are a great example for us today to live by, all right? If you're thinking about the wrong things today, let's change. Let's turn. Let's think about something different today, all right? So before we finish, let me quickly give you a few things to practice that's going to help you find the focus that Jeremiah found, all right? Here's these things. First of all, you need to learn to pray and sing. Now, why do I say that? James 5.13 says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise, all Right. If we are suffering, it should make sense to pray because prayer turns us to God. And not just a flippant prayer, but focused prayer that not only takes our burdens to God, but allows us to hear from God. Because when we pray, we can be reminded of God's goodness toward us and his care for our life. Prayer helps us confess our struggles to God and then should help us turn our minds off our troubles and onto God as we seek him in prayer and as we trust all the things that are burdening us to a great God. Prayer is important to our lives, okay? Okay. Not only prayer, but singing, all right? Along with prayer, we sing. Because we are cheerful, we sing songs of praise to God. It reminds us, all right, not only where our cheerfulness has come from, but hopefully our songs will keep us continually reminding of God's goodness so we don't lose sight. All right? Anybody that knows me, you know at any moment I could break out in a song, okay? My kids probably know that. Kim really knows that after 35 years of marriage. I can just break out singing a song. And I like to do that occasionally and especially like those songs that I sing that remind me of God's goodness to my life, all right? All the time, singing those songs keep my heart and my mind focused on God so that when difficulty comes, my mind is already filled with the goodness of God. And so we pray and we sing. Not only do we pray and sing though, we should read scripture. Listen to what Psalm 19, seven and eight says about the scriptures. The law of the Lord is perfect. Look at this next part. What does it say next? Read it. Go ahead. Reviving the soul, all right? The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, doing what? Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. You see, this all makes it clear that God's word revives our soul. It rejoices the heart, and it gives us direction. I hope this morning as we look in the scriptures, we looked at Jeremiah, that some of you have found a means to deal better with your depression. Maybe you thought you were alone in your mental suffering, but now you recognize that even great prophets like Jeremiah can have the same feelings you have. Maybe now you don't feel so bad thinking that God has stopped listening to your prayers. If Jeremiah felt that way, hey, we can too. Maybe now you understand that we all have a way of talking to ourselves and convincing ourselves that things are bad, really bad, But I also hope you've learned from Jeremiah that you have a choice, that you can choose to remember the mercies and the goodness of God and find hope. I will assure you of this, okay? If you continue to read these scriptures, you know what they will remind you of? Over and over, these words will remind you of God's goodness and his mercy to your life. If you read God's word, you will see that God is at work, even in the difficulties of life, and that he is working out a good plan. You will even discover that God personally, hear me, ready, personally cares for you, all right? When you discover these things, that should revive your soul, that should cause rejoicing in the heart. Reading and seeing that God cares for you personally should be uplifting. Reading God's word is important because it helps us accomplish the commands of Romans 12 two, where it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Here's what I know. As you fill, okay, as you fill your mind with God's word, we'll look at it this way. Does that help? I go, I'm filling my mind with God's word. Here's what it does. It transforms the way I think because I'm continually reminded, again, of God's goodness and mercy and how he works. And so when I fill my mind with that, I am transformed Though I get to the point that I can have the heart and the mind of God. And it changes my perspective on living, which leads me to something else. Because, yes, we need to pray and sing. Yes, we need to read Scripture. But ultimately, you must do this. You ready? You have to trust God. You can pray and sing, then read Scriptures, and be convinced that God is good. Right? But hear me. But at some point, you have to trust Him. Listen to a couple of familiar passages. Matthew 6. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek that for all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. What's that telling us to do? Trust God because he cares for you. Right? If he's going to feed the birds, he'll feed you. If he clothes the grass, he he, he will clothe you. He will take care of you. And God is saying, here's what I want my people to do. Those who say they trust me, to trust me. I will take care of you. Y'all still with me? Okay. Isaiah 40, 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. God knows we often get weary, right? He knows we need to be strengthened. He understands at times we lose hope, but he says, trust me, look to me and wait, and your strength will be renewed. God promises these things, but it's up to us to trust. In fact, have a conversation with yourself today that remembers God's goodness and remind yourself that it's okay and it's going to be okay, right? And if you want to know how I have such confidence, I'm going to tell you. Jeremiah proclaimed, as we saw earlier, this in verse 26, it is good that one should wait quietly on the salvation of the Lord. It is good that one should wait quietly upon the salvation of the Lord. I've even got some great news for you, right? Are you ready? Are you ready? Y'all ready for this one? Hang on. Okay, I'm good. God has already provided salvation for us. As Paul proclaimed this to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians 6, he says, We appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is a favorable time, and now is the day of salvation. God has provided for us salvation, you ready? Through Jesus Christ. We don't have to wait, we just need to receive that salvation that Jesus offers and the hope that comes with it. When one understands what Jesus has done for us by dying on the cross and resurrecting from the dead to provide us forgiveness and salvation, hear me, it's not just something that we wait and we receive and we get to heaven. I've got eternal life, and so now I'm just waiting. All right, life could be miserable, but I'm gonna, when I get to heaven, it's all gonna be good. Here, Folks, it is gonna be perfect in heaven, right? But let me tell you, God's salvation, when you give your heart to him, it starts that very moment you give your life to Jesus. All right, and he's there to walk with you through life. Salvation is Jesus' means of, or, 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 or salvation means this having Jesus into your heart, inviting it into your life, and it's having Jesus to walk with you each and every day. Think about what Jesus said he offers to us in John 10 10. He said, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it what? Abundantly. Abundantly. Here's my hope today. Maybe you relate with Jeremiah. As we walk through his words today, you've understood everything he was saying. You've been in a place where you didn't see any hope. You've been in a place where you didn't think God was listening to your prayers. You've been in a place where your soul continued to remember your affliction. If that is you, I encourage you to do what Jeremiah did and call to mind the mercy and the goodness of God and find hope, because there is hope. Through faith in Jesus Christ, there's both hope for today and hope for tomorrow. Hope for this life and hope for the one to come. And I encourage you today to look to Jesus and find hope. And as you do, here's what we can do. We can teach the next generation today that is so suffering with their mental health issues, we can help them understand. Look, when we look to God, he can help us. When we look to God, we don't have to be so anxious. When we look to God, there is hope. When we look to God, we can trust the things in our life that seem so uncertain to him because he is a good God, he does care for us, and when we trust in him, he will take care of us. We need to teach them that. right? Adults, we need to learn it first, right? But listen, God is good, all right? God wants to give us abundant life. Now, hear me clearly. It doesn't mean life's going to always be easy, all right? In fact, this isn't in my notes, but I'll add it. I remember years ago, Chris Kameen talked about, he quoted Jesus saying that verse, he'll give you life more abundantly, and he said, you know, this is life, ups and downs, right? I don't know if you've ever seen this, right? So, Jesus comes to give us life more abundantly, Maybe, a good point, maybe, maybe God put that in my heart because some of us need that, right? There might be higher highs and lower lows, but here's the good news to them all. God is there for us, and he wants us to place our faith and our trust and our hope in him. And if we look to him, we'll see that God is good. We're going to have an invitation here in just a moment. I, I don't know the needs, but here's what I do know. I guarantee you, there are many that come here this morning, you're struggling with your mental health. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Some of you need to reach out for help. If you're stuck, again, hear me, let me go back. If you're stuck, don't be afraid to go to a Christian counselor. Don't be afraid to go to your doctor and say, hey, I'm stuck. I need some help. I can't get out of this. And let them maybe diagnose. Is there a physical thing? Let's deal with it, all right? If it's a spiritual thing, let a Christian counselor help you. But today, for many of us that are struggling, here's what we just need to do. We need to start just focusing on the Lord, and we need to tell ourselves, look, I know my circumstances look bad, but God is good. Yeah. And whoever's saying it all the time, praise the Lord, right? He is there. Is that you, Luke? Who said that? Somebody did. So, oh, all right, there you go. He, all the time, he is good, right? And we need to So this morning, we have an invitation. Maybe there's some. Here's what you need to do. You need to come to this altar and say, when I came here this morning, I've been telling myself, I've been talking to myself. My soul's been reminding me over and over of all the troubles, all the bad in my life. And you've come to church this morning overwhelmed. You didn't even know if you could set through the service today. But maybe some of you came because my mom wanted me to come, so I'm here, right? Well, maybe that's you. If, if that's the case, here's what I hope. That, that you have found at least a little direction on how you can find hope again in your life. And maybe some need to come to this altar, lay your burdens down and say, God, I'm ready to have my mind changed. I came in here focused on all the bad, but now I want to focus on you and I want to focus on your goodness, your mercies that are new every morning because God, I trust in you. And maybe you can leave here with a diff- different mindset as you're focused on God instead of your troubles. All right? I don't know what all the needs is. Maybe you said sitting this morning, you don't know Jesus. Let me tell you. If you don't know Jesus, your mental health starts by trusting in him. All right? As you come and give your life to the Savior, the one who died for you, the one who took care of your worst problem, which is a sin problem, and offers you the hope of eternal life in heaven by your faith in him because he did for you what you couldn't do. He died to death for your sins that you couldn't do. He took care of that for you. Maybe some need to come and trust him. So here's what we're going to do during this invitation. I'm going to be over here. Jacob's going to be over here. If you need somebody to talk with you or pray with you, we will be here to do that, or this altar's wide open. If you just want to come and talk with God and do like Jeremiah did and say, oh, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Why don't you come and recall to mind, right at this altar this morning, the goodness of God and find hope. Would you pray with me? Father, we bow into your presence today. And as we come to you, Lord, I know that we have looked at a very difficult subject, a sensitive subject. But Father, what I know is that you're good in the midst of all of these subjects. And so Father, today I thank you for Jeremiah's example, his honestness about his struggles, but then the truth of how he changed. And I pray, Father, today that some of us would call to mind the goodness of God. Father, forgive us when we get our eyes off of you and to the things of the world and the troubles of the world and let them overwhelm us. But Father I'm so thankful your word reminds us that you understand because if you didn't want us to know it's okay that we're in this struggle together I'm sure you wouldn't have put this in your word but you did and I'm thankful Father that we can know we're in this battle together. But Father uplift us, encourage us in these moments during this invitation I pray there'll be some people that come and bring their mental health to you and allow you to change their mind and change their focus that they could leave here with hope when they came in darkness. So bless this time I pray We just give this invitation to you in Jesus' name. Amen.